Support for this episode is brought to you by my friends at SipTequila.com. In addition to being one of the best online retailers, Sip Tequila offers in-person and virtual tasting events. You can choose from one of their comparison flights, cocktail classes, or full expression flights. The bottles are shipped direct to your door with the same amazing service that they offer from their site. Whether you're looking for a fun birthday celebration with your friends or corporate tasting experience for your clients, Sip Tequila has you covered. To learn more, you can go to siptastings.com. And now it's time for the show. In Mexico, families have been passing down the tradition of distilling agave for generations. Tequila, which was once an obscure Mexican spirit, has grown into the fastest growing spirit in the world. And Mezcal is not too far behind it. My guest today set out to share the stories of some of the families that for generations have been passing down the traditions of making tequila and mezcal just like their fathers before them. Their film is titled Agave, the Spirit of a Nation. But don't be fooled. This isn't a film about Mexican spirits. It's about so much more than that. We're going to hear the process as well as what they learned from this amazing plant on this episode of the Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. This is a special episode for me personally, as it's episode number 50. And I didn't want to just feature one brand in particular, but instead show my love and respect for this agave industry. And I couldn't be happier to have with me Emmy Award-winning directors, producers, Nick Kavasik and Matt Ruggieri from the film Agave, the Spirit of a Nation. Guys, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is great. I love the wall of tequila that I'm seeing behind you, our agave spirits. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. You guys, are, you're both the founding partners of Digital K Production Company out of Baltimore, which is where I grew up. Prior to Agave, the Spirit of a Nation, you both released the documentaries uh, Brewmore, sharing the story of craft beer, which, which won you both an Emmy, and Decanted, which dove deep into the wine world, and Napa Valley. And then in 2018, you release Agave, the Spirit of a Nation. It, it came out a few years ago, but as Tequila and Mezcal have continued to explode and dominate the spirit world. It's finding a whole new audience and gaining a surge of attention. Uh, you both clearly have a, a passion for storytelling, but what, what's your background with, with tequila and mezcal before making this film? And, and what drew you to really want to tell this story? I had very little background with tequila or agave spirits before this, other than some bad decisions I made when I was a younger man. But for the most part, you know, I think what drew me to the story, at least, was it was one of the few spirits out there that really carried with it a sense of tradition, especially when you dove deep. After reading the book, How the Gringo Stole Tequila, really had a much bigger understanding of yeah. sort of like the tradition and the heritage of it. And, you know, we were kind of looking for a another story to tell. And I think before we even finished Decanted, we kind of had arrived at thinking, well, Mezcal is definitely the untold story in the spirits world. And it's something that, uh, you know, we, once we, once we dove into, there's, there's no turning back. Yeah. I mean, Matt and I kind of, our entry point was the same. We didn't really know too much about the product, a lot of, not too much about the history. What really first turned me on to it was this uh, New York Times uh, photo essay. It was these uh, Mezcaleros down in uh, Oaxaca making mezcal and like it was just this i can't remember who the photographer was but it was just this really beautiful piece and it kind of the timing was kind of 
coincided perfectly with um, when we were releasing Decanted, one of our winemakers invited us down to Mexico, down to Guadalajara, and um, wanted to just kind of take us on a tour. They were starting to work on this product down there, and we met a bunch of amazing people while we were down there. And really, this kind of, it was just perfect timing, I think. Uh, Everything really kind of fell into place, and we did our due diligence and did a ton of research and just met a bunch of incredible people. And we just really kind of just soaked ourselves in it. And I think that really helped us out a lot. I don't want to get too much into the production of it right now, but every one of the the three films that we made about using a beverage as the vessel to get you in behind the culture and understand the people, you know, neither Matt or myself, like we, we were never like huge fans of, of that product or understood it really. So we could come in with a completely objective view of it. So yeah. we used our documentary and our filmmaking storytelling abilities. And that's how we went about making the film. We wanted to be just as interested as the audiences. How long, you say doing that research, because you guys really did do, do some research. How, how long of a time period was that to, to really start to dive deep in it? And then I know you went there and, and you know, we'll get into these families and the story you're telling, but how, how long of a time was that for you guys starting to learn about the spirit? Well, this is really the fastest documentary we ever, we've ever produced. I think from, from inception to South by Southwest was under a year, 11 months. I wow, think we okay. did all of the research. We put a stake in the ground and we were going to do this in February. I think we started the research a little before that. And by June, middle of June, we were filming. 2017, middle of June, 2017. And then I think Nick and myself and uh, our winemaking friend, Steve Reynolds, who was working on a project down there, we went down, I think, two times with them. And then I went down again to explore more of Oaxaca in April and May. It was, uh, it was fast. I, I think, you know, we, I hadn't actually met Acalino until about four days before, before we started shooting. Okay. Yeah. Like we pretty much 2017 in February, we decided like, we were just going to just drop everything we were doing and we were just going to, we were going to make the movie. And we had a deadline that we self-imposed on ourselves and we are going to like, run as fast as we can to that deadline. But also again, like you can't, you can't make a film. I mean, you can make a film, just two people making it, but a film like this, you can't make it just the two of us. It's impossible to do, obviously. I mean, if you saw us, yeah, two gringos, there's no way like, yeah. But so anyways, like the first thing was that we needed to put together a really awesome team. And I don't want to just call them the crew but this is an amazing team that we put together that we had Chantel Martineau from How the Gringos Sold Tequila. She was on board with us. We had our amazing producer, Gabriel Goodenough. He came on board with us. He's also from Baltimore, but he's working extensively down in Mexico. We partnered up with another production company down there. We just wanted to make sure the story that we were telling was the most authentic that it could be. And going back to uh, the benefit of having like an objective point of view, I mean, for us, it was like an opportunity. We were like sponges. It was like we were just soaking in everything that we could. And even if I couldn't, even if I can't speak Spanish fluently, and I can't even, I, I can't speak really well Spanish, but that no matter what, like the end of the day, you could watch the film with no dialogue in it and it would still make sense to you. 
And that's yeah. what the raw emotion that we were going for, the authenticity and everything, I think all that really comes across in the screen. And so like the film that we created, what we were going for was, it wasn't a film about agave spirits. It was a film about the, like the people and like the rich culture, the heritage and honoring that and being able to, to earn their trust and let them into our lives and give up and give us the opportunity to like capture those moments like those really delicate, intimate moments and translate that onto the screen is the most authentic way possible. And it and it comes through. You know, the, the film, it follows three families, you know, three families that they're all generational tequila or mezcal producers. You got legendary tequila producer Carlos Camarena making, you know, El Tesoro, Tapatio, Tequila Ocho, a handful of other really great brands. You got Graciela Angelis Carino with Real Monero Mezcal, legit, legit brand. And then Acalino Lopez Garcia with Mezcal Vago. How did you guys go about picking these three producers and, and how did you pitch them to, to be involved in this film? Nick, I think you said it earlier. You know, we just want to be inspired by the subjects that we're following around. You want to like yeah. hang out with people that like inspire you to be a better person, to understand the world better, to push yourself further. And I think each one of those characters had a sort of archetype in that positioning you know carlos is sort of like this grandfather sort of s character he's a poet i mean you know the the what comes out of his mouth sometimes is just so profound and you're just like he has an understanding of life that very few will ever have and so we did a lot of the pre-production gabriel and i were down in mexico we met carlos and i just remember riding in the back seat and we're driving by the cemetery, and he's doing me the cemetery line about, oh, you know, who wants to be the richest dead guy in the cemetery? And I just turned to Gabe, and I was like, this is exactly who we're looking for. It's just each character we were trying to find, each character we were just trying to find something that, that we wanted to find within ourselves, almost, in a sense. Yeah, so then also, like, Ocalino, he was this man that was, I don't know, he was reflecting back on him now. He's like, larger than life. He was, like, this John Wayne kind of guy. But his history yeah. and his dedication to his town and... And his family. And his family and being able to, like, rise up every everybody there in the town economically. And so people would stay in the town, you know? Just incredible. Graciela, again, Graciela is just this very strong female. And, like, she's a boss, too. I mean, she's in charge of those guys there. But her mission is educating and just in in the goal with everybody too is also that everybody wants to lead this on they want to hand this on to the next generation and the next generation after that so everybody in this they're here to protect it for the future and so they're, they're the real deal i mean they're not packaging it and putting it on the side of a box and saying hey 10 percent of our proceeds or one percent of our proceeds goes back to the reforestation of you know, the the fields of Oaxaca, no, like, they don't need to boast this because, like, that's what they're doing. Like, that's their their mission, you know? They don't need to aver- they don't need to advertise that because that's their brand, personally, and also what they're putting in the bottle, you know? So there's no no advertising it's necessary. I mean, it, yeah. It's their life. Yeah, I mean, you, and you see it. You see it in all, all three of them. We did meet with other producers, and we had filmed with other producers as well, but I think in the end... Okay. Uh, we were trying to create a very tight story in the th- those three producers and those three three people just really fit together the best 
in a storyline, and they complemented to each other the most. I don't think it's a coincidence that the three people that we chose are also producing some of the best agave spirits out there. I think that yeah. when you honor tradition and heritage in a way that those three did, or those three still do, there's a reason that they are like the best producers. But what we were looking for was not for the best producers or great producers. We were looking for people to tell this story that this is a tradition, this is a heritage, and it, it could be lost if we're not careful. Yeah, I mean, the film the film is so much more than a story about tequila or mezcal. It, it opens up with, with Carlos in the field. It's early in the morning, a bunch of hemidors harvesting agaves. If, if you're listening new to tequila, hemidors are working in the fields with machetes and coas, these you know giant long handle, these flat blades, and, and they're cutting the leaves off of these agave plants, these pancas, to get to the pina, the agave heart. Uh, this is not easy work that these men and women are doing. In the film... You know, it's raining and Carlos is talking about how one of the hemidors, multi-generational hemidor, and he's he's worked so hard so that he can, you know, send his children to college. And and now that his children have gone to college, they've gotten their degrees, they don't want to go back in the fields. They don't want to be hemidors. They want to go chase business and, and and chase that dream. And it sets the stage as as Carlos is saying. I don't know where we're going to get the next generation of humidors. And it just sets the stage as you guys dive deep into, you know, the challenges that both industries face, the changing of time as, you know, we've got this amazing raw material, the agave plant. We're holding on to these old school methods uh, of creating tequila and mezcal, which honestly, the, the old way of doing it, the the proper way of making these spirits really is foreign to the majority of people, especially here in the United States, that purchase tequila. When, when you guys were filming this, did, did you, I mean, hearing these stories, did you get a sense of, you know, that heavy burden that, that these producers carry as they continue to share, you know, their family's legacies and stay true to how tequila slash mezcal was made so many years ago? I don't think they would see it as a burden. I feel like they would see it as an honor. To carry it. Yeah. Especially the probably Tamo and Mateo, Aquilino's sons. I mean, they're yeah. carrying on what he ultimately moved back to, to Oaxaca for. So uh, we noticed it immediately, though. I think you could just, you see the spark in someone's eye when they're talking to you about it, that the pride that they carry is more than just what they're working on and what it ends up being as a raw material into like a process spirit. What they're working on means so much more to them. Yeah, I, I I totally see it. When when Carlos, you know, there was one moment where he's talking through because over time tequila has there there's been some you know introductions to different processes for making it more efficient and and he's holding on to you know the old school traditional ways and you know mezcal is is pretty much through and through it's it's old school tradition and he's going I hope. I hope Mezcal learns from tequila. I hope they don't go down that path as they're growing. I mean, right now, Mezcal is super hot. Tequila is as hot of a spirit as, as ever, and, and Mezcal is quickly following. And so you just get a sense that that he loves this plant and what this plant has has done for him and his family. You know, he comes from a long line of tequila producers, which which is pretty amazing. So you, you get a sense of it's not just every day, get up and go to work. This is living a, a legacy as he's creating and his daughters, his sisters, his family, they're, they're all involved in this, which is a, a pretty special thing. The film takes us from the, the highlands of Jalisco and Arandas, the small village of Santa Catarina Minos with, with Graciela and a small town outside of Oaxaca. 
Caracas City with Acalino, they're not near each other. I mean, I've spent time in Jalisco. I have not been to Oaxaca yet, but I know you've got some serious terrain to cover. But what challenges did you have to overcome as, man, that landscape is is very different from, you know, with these regions for they're growing these agaves and maguey's. Oh, gosh, that is a, is a long list of things to overcome. I can tell you that just like, you know, moving like the crew, just moving our team around was challenging sometimes just because just just getting to where Acalino lived in Candelero Yegole, <laughs> like just getting there. The road, I mean, the tarmac just like ends and then you're just, it's just like dirt roads and you're crisscrossing back through these. We got a couple Jeeps and we're like just crisscrossing back and through like these um, dirt roads and stuff. And then you get all the way there and we knew this already, but the bridge to the village had washed out. So then we got to like, basically everybody's got to get in their underwear and like cross across the river, you know, hand handing gear, camera equipment stuff like over top of your head and handing it off to each other as we're going across. So like once you're there, you're like, yeah, we got to spend a couple, we got we to gotta be here at least a couple days because it just took us eight hours to get here. A little different than a brewery in Baltimore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then just getting up to when we're in, in Jalisco, just getting up to the Los Altos area, it's just extremely different, you know, from being in the city and then getting up there, just seeing the um, the copper color of the of the soil and then the the sea of blue of the agave everywhere you went you know i guess like challenges wise is we didn't really have two we're extremely fortunate i gotta say a lot of things went fell into place mainly issues that we had we had a camera that broke on us remember that (laughs) one of our cameras just took a shit on us so we needed to get a new camera body fortunately matt was like flying back the states and was able to get another camera body and bring it back with him so we're only down to one camera body for like only a few days and then you know uh, other technical things were just kind of like getting the whole team like we kind of like everybody met up we had a couple meetings and everything and then we kind of just like jumped into it and went to it and so it was kind of just feel like for the first couple days it was just kind of everybody feeling it out like how you know we knew our approach but like kind of feeling that all out and then not only are you earning the trust with the subjects that you're working with that you're filming with it's also like earning the trust of your team that you're trying to build throughout this process so we can all be thinking the same. We can, the process of we see something unfolding, it's like, oh yeah, we need, sound is rolling. Cameras are rolling. Things are happening, you know, ahead of what we're doing, filming actively. So it's just understanding and seeing the process and then also like learning from it. So, you know, it just takes a couple of days to get everybody kind of uh, meshing really well together. Yeah, I had I featured uh, Vago uh, last year. I had co-founder Dylan Sloan on, and you know he was talking about the first time Judah brought him to Acalino yeah. and to his palenque, and how you know he he had to cross that river, and he was just thinking, "There's no way we're going to be able to get." this liquid out of here. I mean, there's just no way as they're starting the process of, could we produce this and bring it to the States and, and thinking of the logistics to get it from this village to civilization. He just thought that there's just no way we're going to be able to do this, but they have found a way. And then the bridge washed out. Yeah. And the bridge washed out. They're thinking about pumping it over. They're thinking about pumping it over from one side to the other side. And then they, I think they ended up just hand carrying it over. I think they drove it over in tanks eventually. I think that was that was originally possibly going to be a storyline was like, how do you get this over the river? Because the bridge washed out like I went to go visit Ocalino and the bridge was fine. And then like a week later, the bridge washed out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we're like, oh, God, is this going to change the whole story? 
but then we realize like it's not that's not the story you know the story is what they're trying to to hold on to yeah i mean look it's easy to think that this is a film about tequila or mezcal or even for me you know the past two years of this show is just about agave spirits and and we all know that it's not You, you guys did such a great job showing that it's it's about so much more than that and the film for me shows the the deserved respect for the agave plant, but it also focuses on these three producers that they're all trying to preserve this heritage and, and you know, live up to the people that came before them and, and to honor all these legacies as well as, you know, pass it, pass it down. I, I've read where you, you said your stories are all about ordinary people doing what they truly love, facing great odds and succeeding. That, that's a, a pretty cool tag to, to go, hey, this is how we're going to tell these stories. How did you stumble upon the film? You know, I, I had heard about it for a while. It had been something that I've been wanting to see. It, it really started hitting social media a lot over the past few months. And I brought uh, Jesse Estes is a buddy of mine he, from Tequila Ocho. And, and he's been on the show a few times. When he was on the show, he just came back from doing some showings, I think over in Europe, where he was doing some hosting some events where they were watching this film. And he just kept telling me, man, this film is 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 they the way they captured the spirit. And, and it's just such an amazing film. And I just thought I, I've been wanting to watch this. Let me search it out and find it. And we'll talk about how people can find it because it is e- easy to find. But, you know, I, I've since watched it multiple times. And, and I after watching, I just thought, man, I, I've got to reach out to these guys and, and hear their story because, you know, you're you're putting out the story that that I'm trying to tell and and you know so honored to just be a small part of. And as I said, tequila is becoming so popular now. I mean, it's been for years and and this is something that a lot of people are finding because they do want to know more than just what's in the bottle. They want to know about the people that are actually producing these spirits. We've got Graciela with Real Monero. You know, she was trying we talk about ordinary people. You know, she was trying to convince her father to become more efficient and and use copper pots for distillation instead of the small clay pots, which, you know, very ancestral way of, of the method of, of making their mezcal. And she starts to see that making these changes, it alters the fingerprint of their mezcal. I love when she talks about from what we build, something must remain. I love that line of going, we can't change. We've got to keep something from what we build. Something must, must remain. And I mean, to me, to stay true to where, where they came from, it's beautiful. Her, her mezcal is legit. As you said, you know, she takes over the production after her, her father passes away and, and it really doesn't take long to see she's, she's the real deal, but she's also balancing, you know, her family life with her, her work and and knowing that everything I mean she even says in the film everything I've I've had in my life is because of this agave plant. I mean to me that's a, I mean you guys were capturing these moments and I know when you're making, you know, I, I do on such a small scale of some content and there are things where I'll shoot and go, well, I'm not going to use that or I'm not going to use that or I want to use that and I'm sure you guys had so much more content but to get these snippets and then put them together. And you really are framing this story. Uh, man, it, it really, you guys really did such a great job. And, and you know, her story, it, it just speaks volumes. It's so easy when you have great, great subjects and great characters and great people that are in front and behind. And it just makes your, makes your job easy. Yeah. When they're really good storytellers, Carlos and Graciela are just great storytellers in their own sense. So they were able to just add a level of depth to the tapestry of the film that you you could, could not find in many other people. So as soon as we met them, we knew that they would help us 
sort of expand upon and tell the story. Yeah. Nick, what were you thinking as you're as you're watching this, as you're capturing this? What was going through your head? It was actually like when we were we were filming and we were kind of putting storylines and stuff together as we were filming because we would watch dailies as we film and we write a lot of notes. And when I was working with Clementina, the editor, we edited in Guadalajara. I, I put together like these storylines that each one of them like represented like a portion of like the environment. So like Graciela. She represented to me, she represented like fire. So she has that section in there. She talks a little bit about that. And Aquilina was, he, to me, he kind of represented like the water of the story. And then like Carlos, he represented the earth, like the salt of the earth. Because he's just so in touch with, with his, with the farming practices of it too. So that was like one thing that's like a very kind of sub theme of it all. That's kind of deep layered in there. Yeah, it's funny because I was just, while we were talking about this, I was just thinking about we were filming with Graciela and we had her come into Oaxaca in the city. And uh, so we were filming and she was, she did this market there and we had her like come back to the hotel. I just had her to sit there and just talk about the fire <laughs> for like 15 minutes. And I, I can't remember now cause it's been so long, but I remember like sitting in the room and we would just record these. It was no scripted dialogue at all. Didn't need to do any of that, but it was just like, I'd explain basically like kind of like the scene of what I saw in the scene. It was when her and Edgar are um, starting the fire and they're like putting all the piña in there and they've got everything covered up. And it's just like the two of them and they have like this fire going and she's being and the shot is like through the fire and she's on the other side of it. And there's this really great narration that she does in there. And that was just like we were in Oaxaca City that day. And I saw the dailies and uh, we just had her come back and just to record clean sound. We just had her record in one of the hotel rooms and we just had her just speak about like, what does fire mean to her? And, you know, she just got super, you know, heady about it and deep about it. And it just like really complimented it so well because it's so much of her character too. She is so like, she is just all so much energy and power and just pushing through no matter what is in her way, she's just pushing through it. Yeah, I just thought that I was kind of just thinking about that. And then, you know, wa- watching Akalino and seeing that story, I, I got emotional watching that. That yeah. broke my heart a little bit, knowing that, you know, he passed away about a year or so. And I mean, you just could tell, and we talked about it a little bit, just how much respect and love that that he had for his town. You know, he, he you guys capture him telling about how he struggled with having to to move to the U.S. Yeah. and and how he much he, that's not where he belonged. He wanted to come back, and and then where his his kids had to do the same thing, but then how proud he was that he was able to come back and, and to provide jobs or how much joy it brought him to, to provide for his family, making Mezcal, uh, the, the Vago team, man, they, they've really done a, a great job highlighting and elevating these producers. I know they're different expressions. They go through different producers and, and, and their production methods and, and their story and all the information that they put on the bottles because they want it to be about the hands that are, that are making this in, incredible spirit. And, and it's great to see Akalino's sons. They're they're continuing on this legacy, and and even seeing uh, Kevin, you know, his youngest son, getting in there and he's teaching him. I mean, yeah. it's just it was special moments that you guys were capturing, and for their family to always be able to to go back and look at this and see these moments. I keep saying, man, it, it's it's special what you guys were able to capture. Yeah, you feel really lucky when you um, think about it in those terms that you are invited into someone's life 
and and the only way it works yeah the only way it works well is if if the person who invites you in lets you all the way in and we're very lucky that all, all three of three of our wonderful wonderful characters and people like let us fully in the funny thing about the the that last interview with Aquilino, so nick went all the way down to oaxaca to capture mateo's wedding uh, decided that, uh, you know, we were going to try to get this interview again with him, see if we can get a little bit more of his backstory. Gabriel, who went down with our producer, did some of the pre-production and then went down with Nick. He actually had the idea to actually have Judah interview his father-in-law. So Judah is actually the one who did that that interview with, with Ocalina on tape, not Nick or, or I. You know, we decided that Judah would be able to get in. You know, it's his father-in-law. I think they, they probably have a certain rapport and they can probably talk about some some details a little deeper than he's going to share right off the bat with us. It, it, was the, it was the day after his son's wedding, too, that we did that. We just went up to their little the tasting room that they have in Oaxaca City. We all sat down. We were going to you know, just ask, sat down with Aquilino and did that interview with him. And, oh, my gosh. It was Yeah. And then we got back that night and... Pretty much like edited the, we, I remember just getting back and we edited it like that night. And by the time we, I gotten on the plane, I like, while I was flying back, I had like the footage and the scene that's the end of the film where it's like all the three storylines all coming together at the end. We have like Graciela, she's at the um, library, Aquilino at the wedding, and then Carlos kind of driving into the sunset kind of thing. It kind of like all like that. It's weird because it, sometimes like in when you're editing, you edit like you have all these blocks that are all the, the scenes and you're editing all the scenes together. And we, we edit all these scenes that we identify and we get to a certain point. And Matt and I are like just taking the scenes and you're just taking them like blocks and you're like index cards and you're just moving them all around trying to get things right, you know. But like how the end of it kind of came together, it just kind of just I remember sitting down and just kind of just we just edit it in like one sitting and like one session. And then like pretty much maybe it got tightened up a little bit, but like that was, it was it. That was done. It was done. Yeah. I remember the first time you showed it to me and it was like, I think the first time yeah. you showed it to me, I was just like, that's it. I cried. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think we've, yeah. we've hit the tone that we're looking for. You put it together and you see it and you just know, wow, this, this is the story that, that we said we were going to tell. And because of, the people that help tell that it, it's a, a, a pretty magical story there. And then, yeah, I mean, look, you, you, you had some amazing people there and, and you've got Carlos Camarena who, you know, the Camarena family, uh, th- this family is responsible for so much in the tequila industry. They're credited with bringing Blue Weber Agave to the Highlands region. You've got Pedro Camarena Ramirez, who is, I think he's the first to build a tequila distillery in around us in those Los Altos area. And, and, you know, the story just gets better and better because of guys like Felipe, his brother and Carlos Camarena. And I, I know you guys spent some time at, at La Altena. That, that was the first distillery that, that I ever visited. So it's a special place for me going from a tequila distillery to a palenque where you got to cross a river. How, how was that in your guys's mind, that experience uh, of how the juxtaposition, how different those two places were? I think it was interesting for us because I think we went to, we did it in reverse order. We went to the Palenques first, and then I think the first shoot we ended with Carlos. So, you know, I had visited, pre-visited everybody. But I think for most of the crew, yeah, we went from like the smallest Palenque to Carlos's distillery at La Atenia, which is not in any sense of the word industrial. But I 
definitely there were some of the crew members who were like, whoa, this place is giant. And we're like, no, no, it's not. This is nowhere close to what an industrialized sort of process looks like. And we did, yeah. there are some shots from um, Patron. Uh, we went to Casa Patron. Even that, I mean, what they've done there is actually kind of quite cool. They've just multiplied the the small distillery just multiple times over. It's like fingerprinted over and over and over. That gave that gave the crew and our like our producers and the other filmmakers on the on the team sort of a lot of perspective. Much much cooler though. The Planquets were much cooler to visit. Other than they were really cool to visit. Well, I mean, all the food was always delicious, but. At least by La Tanya, you get carnitas jame. Carnitas jame is just uh, a dream of that place. And I was also like thinking about like in in this like in making this film, how we were talking about like how everything like kind of just fell together like so quickly. And that was also because everybody that we met and everybody associated with the industry or has history with the industry was so open in providing us with access, opening the doors you know, resources and everything. I remember when we were like kind of pretty much like wrapping up production, I was talking to Fanny and I was like, is there like any like historical footage, anything of like, you know, of your grandfather, Don Felipe? Like I was just reaching out for like any photos or anything. She's like, she sent me some photos and then I found this like OG El Tesoro video. It's like Don Felipe, Carlos in the distillery and Bob Denton, it was he was a regional importer of El Tesoro in the in the nineties. Yeah, him in Maryland. Yeah, yeah, and and he had filmed and made this video. Like, so, like this is early nineties. Like to like so people like he could bring it to the states and like show it to people and like market. Hey, these are like these are people making the real deal. Like, look at these guys. Like the one dude swimming in the. <laughs> it's in the film yes yeah <laughs> he's they, they told me uh, you know i've i've featured yeah. a handful of brands from la Altenia, and one yes. of them i think it was with el tesoro yeah. they were telling me that that guy yes. would just stay in there yeah. and and by the i mean he lived such a long life and he had the smoothest skin his skin was and they they credited it that just every day he was in the fermentation tanks just working in there it. yeah just yeah just working and you don't i mean you don't see that today yeah but yeah pretty crazy but like I reached out to Bob and I got a hold of him and like he sent us like the original tape for the film. Okay. And yep. he's been a very big proponent in helping us out with the film and everything and gave and, and gave us the rights to use it for the film and just helped us out so much. And that was just a really cool piece that was like again, it was just a if somebody hadn't been there before us documenting what had happened in that space and time, we would never been able to have the opportunity to use it in this film in using it for, I mean, it's like, I mean, I remember when we were editing that together too, it's like Carlos looking, he's like at the barrels and he's like looking through the barrels, like looking back in the past and it cuts to like his father looking at him, you know, and then you're in this educational video and Carlos is a much younger man. And just thinking about it makes me emotional thinking about it now because I, I thinking about like that moment in time like him his father Don Felipe like and like what he's saying at the end he's like this is the best tequila how his dad says it his dad says it basically like Carlos is translating for him and he doesn't cr- translate exactly what his father says he just translates and he says this is the best tequila in all of Mexico his father says something maybe a little bit more humble yeah Don Felipe humbly says this is possibly 
the best tequila in Mexico. And then Carlos is a brash, <laughs> naivety, young man, translates it on the tape that says, yeah. this is the best tequila in Mexico. And it just really yeah, like yeah, yeah, really yeah. hones in on this character. It's beautiful. Carlos and his daughter Fanny, they they were on the show at the beginning of the year and and just, you know, his respect for the land, as you talk about he, you know, by trades, he's an agronomist. And so he sees, man, if it's not treated properly, the agave plant could face danger in the future. And his job is to train up the next generation to to steward it well. And it it also, you know, you you also bring in almost another side story with, you know, I know he's got, I think, seven sisters and, and they're very involved. And I believe Tapatio, but there's a, a beautiful short little story with with Jenny Camarena yeah. a, as we get to see her really blossom into her role at the distillery. And, you know, just knowing how, how proud her dad would be uh, just seeing where she is. And, and I love the scene where she's talking about not being good at, at labeling. And Carlos says, the more you ruin, the more you learn. Man, there's so much truth in that. The, the more you mess up. And so he's encouraging her because she's going, I'm, I, I, you know, if I try to put this label on this bottle, it, it's not going to be straight. And he's going, that's okay. The more you ruin, the more you learn. And man, to me, that just, man, it just tells the story of, of what you guys were, were trying to convey. Uh, looking back on it and, and seeing how people have, have responded to it and, and I agree with you. The industry is so open arms because I think they really do see and they recognize when there's somebody like like the two of you and, and myself that, man, we're we're trying to tell their story. We're trying to, to help uh, be a mouthpiece for what they're doing, uh, a real beautiful industry. But looking back on it, wh- what did you guys learn throughout this process as you know, now you've had some time to, to see it and revisit it and, and it's had some time, but what, what, what did it mean to you guys? What, what have you learned from this process? To be generous in all that I do. I think generosity is something that um, we in the United States do not have an abundance of. And as soon as you go to Mexico, uh, the generosity and the acceptance into one's home and to one's life is so much more meaningful there. So I, I took that with me. The biggest thing. I, for me, the biggest thing was now like reflecting back on it. Now it's been some time. What I learned from the film, my son was like, I think he was only like a year old at the time. And I would think about now it just like seeing the interaction of like how the families and fathers. And I think I learned so much of being a dad, I guess, from them. Yeah. Just and also treating others with respect just be humble, you know? I mean, gosh, like, and also the, actually really one of the most important things also is just like, is if you, if you really like truly believe in, in something, you're really passionate about it. Don't sell yourself short in it. Continue on fighting and fighting for what you believe in, you know, because maybe one day some company is probably going to come into one of these brands, these small brands and offer them a shit ton of money to buy them out. Yeah. But they're going to make the right decision and they're not going to do that because they're going to keep doing and pushing what they're passionate about. Or they're going to fight to keep it pure. They want to yeah. fight to keep it pure. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like for us as like filmmakers, I feel like so it like parallels exactly like the same feeling that I think that Matt and I feel too is let's just, we want to do what we want to do and continue to like head towards that, the goals see what other people are doing, but like, you know, like just keep focusing on like what you want in the end. That's always changing too. That's changing. So I see that same, like for them is like, there's just something inside of them. Like you can't, you can't take that passion away from them. I love that. I asked both of you that question and neither one of you mentioned alcohol, tequila, agave. I mean, seriously, I mean, you guys spoke 
to to so so many things that were so much larger than you know what's in this bottle or or what's being being sold you know people think of tequila as this party drinker and and what you guys just said of what you took away I mean, that's why I do what I do with this show. And for, for you guys, people coming in, wanting to be objective and walking away. I mean, it it's changed you. I can see that. I mean, it's not just like you just do a film and you move on to the next one. And it's just something that, you know, you just go, hey, it was just a job. It, it wasn't a job for you guys. And, and you saw the true essence of, of what we all that have are starting to really dig deep into this community and these industries of mezcal and tequila. You guys saw it, which man, I love. So thank you for, for being honest, Nick, Matt, thank you guys for, for being on the show. I, I know that there are a, a lot of people that worked on this film. Uh, if you have not seen this film, I want to encourage you to go out and to find it. I know it's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. I've seen it at my library, which was pretty awesome to see. I mean, there, there's opportunity to, to see this film. My listeners, they can go to agave.film to, to learn more about it, find out where and how to watch it. If anybody has any questions for you guys, they, they can reach out to you at, at info at agave.film. Is that correct? Yeah. Or through Instagram. Yeah. Instagram too. So if they want to, if they want to reach out to you, Instagram, uh, agave film, but, but guys, thank you so much. I, man, I know how long and how hard, and, and this is not easy. It's, it's, you know, to watch something that's an hour and a half and know that you guys spent a lot of time with a lot of people, uh, working hard. So, so thank you guys for, for making it a priority to share this story. And thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Take care guys. That was Nick Kavasik and Matt Ruggieri, Emmy Award-winning directors of Agave, the Spirit of a Nation. Be sure to go to agave.film to find out where you can find it. If you've already seen it, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it again after hearing their story and process for shooting the film. A big thanks to SipTequila.com for sponsoring the show. And a heartfelt thank you for everyone who's listened to the show. This has become a, a huge part of my life, and I'm proud of these first 50 episodes. The show is downloaded in over 70 countries. And that honestly blows my mind. But more important than that is that I've met so many amazing people along this journey, and I've had the honor to share their story. And that would not be possible without all of our awesome listeners. So thank you. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening.